Hello friend, I'm so grateful you're here. Welcome to the Today I Am Enough podcast season three. This season, we are taking time to better understand who the women in the New Testament are and their experiences. We will learn more of them, their story, and how Jesus Christ tutored their lives. We will learn more about how much Jesus Christ loves women. I am so grateful you're here today. We are talking about one of my very favorite women in the scriptures, but we have two women in the scriptures that we are going to talk about today. The first is Jairus' daughter, and the second is the woman with the issue of blood. So we these are both in Mark 5. They're actually in Matthew 2, but Math, Mark 5 has more details. So we're going, going to be referring to Mark 5 in all of our discussion today. So Jairus was a ruler of a synagogue in Jerusalem, and he came up to Jesus and he falls at his feet in verse 23. And it says, and he, Jairus was by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly saying, my little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come lay thy hands upon her that she may be healed and she shall live. The interesting thing we find out here is that he must have been acquainted in some way with Jesus because he knew exactly who Jesus was when he saw him. And he knew that he could heal his daughter. So whether it was by hearsay or he had had an encounter before, Jesus was in this area for quite a while. So it could just be that he was getting to know some of the people. And so he knows Jesus. He recognizes Jesus. And Jesus begins to go with him. He he went with him and they start walking. And in verse 24, it says, and much people followed him and thronged him. So Jesus goes with Jairus and all these people follow behind him. And in the midst of walking to this young girl, a woman touches his garment and is healed. And Jesus stops and he talks to her for a moment. And of course, we'll go into that story in a minute. But while they're stopped, I can you imagine the anxiety, the like rush that Jairus was feeling like we need to go. She is dying. And while Jesus is talking to the woman with the issue of blood, Jairus's servant finds him in verse 35. And there came a ruler from the synagogue of the certain house. Thy daughter is dead. Thou, why troublest thou the master any further? And I love Jesus's response. He says, As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, be not afraid, only believe. Be not afraid, only believe. So they continue going and they get there and there's a process of mourning that's taking place. And he walks in and he says, the damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed at him in scorn. So he put everyone out and he took father and mother and the girl and they went with him. Um, I think in other versions, this one doesn't say specifically, but he also took Peter, James and John in the house with him. And so he gets everyone out of the house and then verses 41 through 43 say, and he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, um, (laughs) it's in another language, so I'm not going to say it right. Taithia. Kumi, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, and she was of the age of twelve, 
and they were astonished with a great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it and and commanded that something should be given to her to eat. So I, I think this is beautiful. He comes in and he takes her by the hand and commands her to arise. And she does. And I always love that the immediacy of the miracle. But at the same time, there was a waiting, right? Jairus came to him and they were on their way and there were all these people and all the things. And then a lady like stops. And I wonder what his thoughts were at first when Jesus was like, someone touched me. And, you know, this the apostles have this back and forth with him. But I also wonder how much did it build up Jairus's faith to watch the woman with the issue of blood in that interaction that her and the Savior had. In that waiting, sometimes we see the miracle of other people while we're still in the midst of waiting for our own. But in the waiting, sometimes that's where everything happens. That's where our faith is built. And that's where our trust in, in our Savior is built. And so as they went and the Savior said unto him, be not afraid, only believe, just reminding him, like, you just saw this take place. You came to me for a reason. Now let's go. And he raises her and she walks. And I also love that he he told them, well, first of all, don't tell anyone. But second of all, you need to get her some food. <laughs> and he was watching out and making sure that she was okay. But I think the a lesson we can take away from this is that sometimes it feels like it's just too late to ask for the Savior's help. The servant came and said, don't bother him anymore. Like, it's too late. She's already dead. But sometimes we think he's being slow. So sometimes we think it's too late, but sometimes we just think he's being slow. But sometimes he's making things work out better than we could ever anticipate. He is with us and he can comfort us and guide our lives so that miracles will still take place even when time and people and circumstances don't seem to be on our side. I think that was the biggest takeaway that I gained from this story this time. One of my very favorite scripture stories is the woman with the issue of blood. And in the middle of this story, going to Jairus's house is 25. So Jesus went with him and much people followed him and thronged him. So we know that he's there and there's tons of people in the middle. And verse 25 says, and a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years. Okay. So we're going to dive into this a little bit today. 25A, the issue of blood is a hemorrhage. So I would like to talk about that, but I also want to read from Walking with the Women in the New Testament. I have a link in the show notes. This is page 52 and 53, and I'm not going to read all of it, but it is explained in detail about the unclean and the clean and menstruation and how all of that worked for women in this day and age. So I'm going to read a couple of the things just so we can have a clear understanding of what is happening. So this is now in um, the book with 
walking with the women in the New Testament. In ancient times, when a girl began to menstruate, she entered a whole new phase of her life. According to the Mosaic law, any woman who had an issue of blood was considered unclean until seven days after she had stopped bleeding. This rule meant the whole household, male and female, would have been aware of when the girl was menstruating because due to her unclean status, she would not have been able to help prepare food for other people or perform tasks for other with others without making them ritually unclean. The word unclean seems very harsh in our modern ears, and I know some women who have had much heartache about it, wondering how God could ever label something so innately a part of them as dirty. This confusion may stem from not understanding what the word unclean means in Hebrew. In Hebrew, the word that is translated as unclean in the King James Version of the Bible is tuma. There is not an English equivalent for this word, which is why it can be a hard concept to grasp. But the easiest way to understand the meaning of tuma is to understand that it is the spiritual status that occurs when you have had contact with death. This is because every living thing in the world contains a spark of divinity, a portion of God's power, and when that power departs, it leaves behind a spiritual vacuum or state of tuma. Tuma, or being unclean, can happen to both men and women at any time they come in contact with something that has died or had deceased in the manifestation of God's power. For example, a woman who was in the process of giving birth or who had just given birth was considered unclean, tuma not only because of the spiritual vacuum that was created with the extra life within her, but also because her child is entering the mortal life, has been cut off from the presence of God. Tuma also occurs at the loss of potential life that happens during sexual intercourse or during menstruation. As modern Rabbi Simmons stated, after having marital relations, men are in a state of tuma because of the loss of the building blocks of life within them. And women incur this state of tuma when they menstruate because of the loss of potential life within them. The understanding of the menstrual cycle and of the menstrual blood is probably how women in the Old and New Testament times understood their monthly cycles. They would not have looked at menstruation as being dirty, shameful, or even ordinary. Instead, menstruation was a sign of the continuation of life and would have been rejoiced at because even as an innately spiritual experience, in fact, about their washing that a woman had to undergo to come out of the state of Tuma or any state of uncleanliness was a special bath called Mikava. The Mikava was a pool or bath of clean water in which a man or woman would immerse themselves in. The Mikava was not intended to wash away impurities or dirt caused by the state of uncleanliness. They had to completely wash their bodies prior to entering. The purpose of the Mikava was to come out reborn, holy and spiritually clean, much the same way the baptism and immersion is done today. So she finishes up by saying, it's important to remember that the law of Moses was given as a pre preparatory law to turn the hearts of the Jews to Jesus Christ. Everything in the Mosaic law bears testimony of the need of a savior. Menstruation is a monthly blood sacrifice that reminds us that if it were not for Christ, we would be continuously in a state of tuma separated from God's living, life-giving power, and unable to return to him. Yet because of Jesus Christ and the blood that he shed for us, we can be washed clean and become pure and able to return to God's presence. So there is a little bit more in there. It's, it's pretty in-depth and it's a lot to take in. 
But I think it's important that we remember that we understand this tuma or this uncleanliness that was going on. So like we said, verse 25, footnote A, there is the issue of blood that is also a hemorrhage. So this in this day would have been very intense vaginal bleeding. There is a name for it um, that we would use, but I don't, I didn't write it down, but it would basically like a woman going through one pad per hour, like very intense bleeding. During the time of the Mosaic law, a woman had, if a woman had an issue of blood, she was unclean during that time and she wasn't able to lay on or sit or prepare food like it mentioned and she was considered unclean. So if others touched her, they had to do a certain washing ritual that they had to do as well. So this woman had been unclean for 12 years. 12 years. That meant that she had no that that she had no contact with anyone really. And she probably wasn't even able to worship because she couldn't go into the temples. So this woman had had a very lonely life and I'm sure was just really feeling frustrated. In verse 26, it says, and she suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. So this poor woman is just... I'm sure she's just feeling so completely defeated. She's tried all the things. She spent all her money and she's still the same. Nothing has changed. And this is the glimpse into her life that we get. She has lost so much blood for so long. We can assume that she is probably exhausted. She's probably anemic. And I'm sure just the thought of going to the Savior, she heard about Jesus and she came up to this group of people and she probably had to make her way in and touch other people, which would make them unclean. And so we know that from verse 24, that there were a lot of people following him, right? And she knew that she had to touch him. That was what she had faith in. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Her faith amazes me every time. She just knew that she could touch him. She didn't need to talk to him. She didn't need to explain her situation to him. She didn't need to ask him. She just knew that if she could even touch him, with it didn't matter if he knew or not, that she could be healed because she knew that if she touched him, then he would be unclean. And she didn't want to make anyone unclean. She just wanted to be healed. Verse 29 says, And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt it in her body that she was healed of that plague. I think just the description here shows how bad it probably was. The fountain of her blood was dried up and Jesus immediately knew, knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? First of all, she was healed immediately, but I love that Jesus felt the power, the virtue, which if you go to the footnote, Greek meaning is power or the strength. So that priesthood power that is very a literal power. He felt that power leave him. So think about Jesus being in a crowd of people and then he stops and says, who touched my clothes? And the disciples say unto him, 
where there's a lot of people here. You're really asking this question. And he looked around to see her that had done this thing. And then she was scared. She was trembling. She knew what she had done. And she fell down before him, though. And she told him the truth. I love that part. Verse 33. And told him the truth. And then he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. She never told him. He knew. She was so scared and she was so worried. And he responds that her faith had made her whole. Go in peace. He brought comfort in that moment where she was scared, but I'm sure so grateful and not even knowing what she was feeling all at the same time. But there's this tenderness that Jesus offers her, this understanding, the compassion, the love. It just touches my heart every time. How has the Savior been like this? How has he healed you in your life when you've reached out in desperation? Even in just a moment where he was your only hope in that moment. When has he come down to you and said, Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. This week, look for ways that he is manifesting himself in your life and how he is lighting your life back up in all that you are striving to do. But also seek him in faith this week. When something feels hard or impossible or like you're just not going to make it and you just feel like you can barely get to the Savior, just think of this woman and just have the faith that if you could just touch his garments, it would be okay and seek his help. And I hope as you do that you can feel his love for you just as we can see and recognize the love that Jesus Christ had not only for the woman with the issue of blood, but also for Jairus' daughter. Thank you so much for listening today, and I hope you have a wonderful week.